welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 37, Mediocre Games, but Magnificent Goals. So, obviously, if you watch some of the games this week, these, during this midweek, it's sort of difficult to sit through some of these 90 minutes. The good thing is that we were actually treated to some brilliant goals in these. Some of these one nils, um, somewhere first half was just terrible, and then things lit up. So, I'll go over a few of these games that happened this week. Some interesting ties. Round off a little bit of what's been going on in the Champions League, these, this next round of first-legged ties. So, we'll... We'll go through this a little bit and highlight some of these great goals. First off, Atletico de Madrid against Chelsea. This was a terrible game. And I, honestly, I if you, if I listened to the uh, predictions I had about this tie, I didn't think this would be a high-scoring thing at all, the way Tuchel's got this Chelsea team set up right now. They're not looking to be extra dynamic and risk-taking in the way that they attack. They're quick. They move the ball. They're not creating an enormous amount of clear-cut chances. That suits Atleti. But my goodness, Atleti are... I, I get everyone's frustration with this because when you look at a squad like that, you just want them to kind of to just play. And a player like Joao Felix is... I mean, he is incredible. The t- he is such a talent. He is... He, he The way his body's filling out, his athleticism, he's just becoming a man. He's super strong, incredibly talented, quick, skillful. He's at, He has everything. And you barely see him during the game. And that's not because he was just absent and not involved. It's because he was chasing the ball around for 80 minutes. And there were certain glimpses where he was able to go forward. He had a bicycle kick that went over the bar. He he drew a yellow card out of Mason Mount in the first minute and a half of the game. And it was because he was positive in driving with the ball. Once, I mean, they, they they didn't press Chelsea at all. And you struggle to see how Atletico are going to turn this over in the second leg. Now, if the Atleti that wants to take risks and attack shows up, we could really be seeing a good second leg, and they could overturn the deficit. But the the way that went last night, or the, I mean, just what a, what a terrible, terrible game. I mean, it was so bad. And then, thank goodness, Olivier Giroud, with a moment of magic, has a really brilliant bicycle kick. Look, the ball sits up for him absolutely perfectly. And at first you thought assist by Mason Mount. Clearly he's offside. But no, it came off Hermoso. Got to give VAR some credit here for looking into this and getting it right. Now, it took three minutes, which I'll get to this again in a minute because there's another one of these VAR decisions that they got right. Uh, but it, it you struggle to understand why it takes so long when you as the viewer can see one or two replays and you know immediately. Problem with UEFA, when you watch Champions League games, they don't just stream a bunch of replays of the thing like they do in, in other leagues. So you're sitting there going, what's going on? And referees just sitting there, one hand on his ear, the other motioning to players to stop and calm down. Meanwhile, no one knows what's going on. And... I mean, I think that's the problem. It takes too long. But in the end, you do want VAR to be able to help get decisions correct, especially when you have a goal like that. I mean, you have a finish of that caliber, and it's a good goal. It's not offside. That should stand. I mean, that, that's the beauty of the game. We don't want goals that are good and that are superb to be chalked off. So give, give VAR some credit there, and give Olivier Giroud some credit as well for just – I mean, he steps up in big moments. He's got six Champions League goals this season, and 
you know, who knows where Chelsea can arrive in this competition if they can have him as a quality focal point and he's tucking away, you know, good opportunities and also adding a few brilliant ones. So it's been a really, really good Champions League campaign campaign for um, Olivier Giroud so far, and may it continue. The other game that day was Lazio against Bayern, and Lazio basically just came out and just tapped out. You know, it was like as if some welterweight goes into into a ring with uh, peak Mike Tyson, jogs around a little bit, takes one hit, and just runs for the door. I mean, that's what it seemed like because – the first goal that they gave up was so disappointingly bad. Horrible back pass. Lewandowski steals. It goes around the goalie. 1-0. And Lazio just looked shell-shocked. They looked like they had nothing to offer until they were 4-0 down. And then they were like, oh, well, there's nothing to lose now. The problem is the tie is over. right? Bayern don't even need to sweat in the second leg. And um, the problem with that, I think, is that Bayern were looking a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit vulnerable. Confidence wasn't totally there. Lazio had nothing to lose if they approached this game in the right manner. And they just didn't and got absolutely smashed and now really just kind of gave Bayern a free boost, like a totally free boost. Here you go. Here's your confidence back. You've scored four goals. Now everyone's going, oh, well, maybe they are title favorites for the Champions League again. Maybe the Bundesliga is not going to be close at all. Maybe we're just getting a little excited. So thanks a lot, Lazio, for... uh, Giving Bayern a power-up, appreciate it. I expected a little bit more from Lazio. All right, Leeds-Southampton. This game was uh, actually probably the best to watch of all the ones that I'm going to go through here. You know, from start to finish, good tempo. Both teams trying to attack. Southampton were really good. Gave as good as they got in the first half, except the penalty situation. Now, this was what I thought a pretty clear foul because you could see the contact even in, you know, normal motion during live play it looked like a foul they did an amazing job though of getting this one right and again it just took too long it took two minutes for the whole decision to get done but as soon as he calls the penalty right there's about 10 seconds 15 seconds of you know settling down from after the whistle blows and people trying to figure out what the decision is but then it's clear VAR is instructing him that hold on a second we're double checking this because it might not be After 30 seconds after the whistle is blown, I have now seen three replays from two or three different angles. And my mind is made up. I have changed it from penalty to definite no penalty. And it's so obvious. And he's still standing out there until about a minute and 20 seconds. And then he goes over and looks at the monitor for 40 seconds. And then he decides no penalty. The thing is that everybody, commentary, you know, People on the field, a lot of people started to really realize, oh, this is this is not going to get called. Why does it take two minutes when in two or three replays you can go, oh, yeah, the dude dangled his leg out, kicked the opponent, and fell down. No foul. Move on. So, you know, that that I thought was important. Bamford's goal, really nice and nice slick finish. Rafinha's good free kick, but I do think the goalkeeper should make the save there. McCarthy, unfortunate, but... He sets himself up to be able to dive that way, and I think it kind of squirmed through his hands. But Dallas, whoo, Stuart Dallas goes and scores the best toe poke that I have seen since Ronaldinho. If I'm forgetting another really incredible one, fine. But this is a like left-footed outside fade that goes into the bottom corner after just an amazing team move in general. I mean, it's a great Leeds goal, classic Bielsa-style attacking 
and for Dallas to get on the end and toe poke it the way he did. I mean, it didn't look like an accident. It really looked like he meant to find that bottom corner with his toe, and it caught the right spin. It was just beautiful. Excellent goal. That, that one that one made me happy because it was very unique uh, in a way, the way he finished it. Moving on to Spurs versus Wolfsburger. Okay. Wolfsburger on a great side. But it was really nice for Spurs fans, I'm sure, to see Deli Alley front and center in this whole thing. Gareth Bale scores a great goal. Carlos Vinicius gets a double. I mean, this is what you want when you play against sides like this. You want your bench guys. I mean, they probably should be starters based on their quality, but you got bench guys who need to vie for a spot. They need to help the team. They come in and they and they wipe the floor with your opponents and they don't play much in the midweek or on the weekends. That that's a good thing for for Spurs and Deli Alley. I mean, Bale's goal was nice, but Deli Alley's bicycle kick Here's a little uh, Olivier Giroud, whatever you can do, so can I kind of thing. I don't want to get into which one was better. I think they were both excellent because Deli Alli also flicks the ball up to himself on on this one. So brilliant goal. Obviously not an exceptional game because, I mean, it was it was already won essentially, especially once Spurs got that first goal. It was, it was pretty much clearly over. I do think they got lucky not to – uh, concede a penalty and a red card in the second half. But even if that had happened, I don't think there's any chance that Wolfsburger would have come back. Okay, Barcelona-Elche. I- I've been watching Barcelona this season for one reason alone. Obviously, it's Lionel Messi. Other than him, they're a horrible team to watch at the moment. Where would they be without him? I don't know. But after this game and a multitude of others this season, it's so abundantly clear that They've got almost no chance of actually winning anything of any kind. I mean, Copa del Rey, they're not going to win anything or come anywhere close. They will probably not even finish anywhere near the top four without him. It's shocking, the the amount of difference that he makes in every single game. And it's why I'm watching it. Because he's 34, this magic has an expiration date, and it's not too, too far away. And the way he can completely take over a game, once he loses his pace and power, which it, incredibly he still has and showed it in this game, once he loses that, he's going to have to be more dictating the game, moving into small pockets, do a really nice link-up play, a lot of the quarterbacking that he's been doing over the last few years. But, you know, watching Messi is still watching Art. I mean, we. I, I'm telling you, if you do not tune into Barcelona because you think they suck, fine, I get it. But tune into Messi because he still does outrageous stuff on a weekly basis. The first goal, he picks it up midfield, central, and just drives straight at the heart of the defense, uses Braithwaite as a little bumper, thanks for the one-two, goes through, scores. And it just had that vintage messy feel uh, these are the goals that he scores when he just goes right at you and, and cuts your defense right open just eviscerates them right through the middle I- I- incredible goal the second one you know Nigel de Young with an outstanding driving run through midfield and you're kind of thinking Nigel de Young deserves the most amount of credit for this goal for sure but when he feeds it to Messi Messi has the option to maybe go ahead and try and finish it one time no he decides to Give a little homage to Kylian Mbappe's goal last week when he dribbles through three players at the top of the six-yard box. Messi goes and just does the same thing with such calm and panache. I mean, 
it was spectacular. He just sidesteps three guys and toe pokes it in as if he was strolling. Um, you know, it's just spectacular to see a player do this. He's 34. He's been doing this since he stepped on the scene. And it's just incredible. The one thing that has become a newer part of his game over the last few years is that diagonal ball over the top into the corner of the penalty area to most of the time Jordi Alba, obviously. But this time it was Braithwaite who peeled out, heads the ball back to Alba who scores. But again, it's it, it, this goal doesn't exist without Messi and neither do the first two. And in the first half, he was pretty absent and they were awful. They, they, should, they didn't look really like they were going to score. So when Messi leaves at the end of this season, which I really do think at this point is going to happen, because you look around, the level of dependency they have on him, that's not what he wants. He wants to be with a team that he can excel, and because he's excelling, they're winning the Champions League, not because he's excelling, they're qualifying for the Champions League. So, yeah, I think the Messi story at Barcelona is probably going to end this summer, but the reminder that he can give every single time you watch him play of how spectacular he is really is, is incredible. Atalanta versus Real Madrid. Oh, what a disappointment this is. Uh, the red card at the beginning. Look, I think it's debatable, uh, as in the red, the referee was not 100% wrong in giving the red card, but I don't necessarily think it was the right decision. The ball's a long way out for Mendy. The goalkeeper's at the top of his six. If the goalkeeper really wants to charge and make a play for it, he might get there first. I know that the goalkeeper, I know that that's, that's still a breakaway. So that's why. I mean, it's a tough call. Really, more than anything, don't want to criticize the referee for this one because, like I said, you can definitely look at it both ways. The unfortunate thing is what it did to the game, right? If quarter of an hour in, all of a sudden, the more the more likely protagonist team, the, the team more likely to take risks and attack, all of a sudden goes down to 10 men against a European giant that's struggling, you're going to get a, a really dull affair. Real Madrid showed very little. I know they had so many players missing through injury that, we can't really criticize them too much. They got the job done. I think what Real Madrid did really well was anytime an Atalanta player came into the midfield with the ball, they were double or triple teamed. Real Madrid did not want Atalanta to cross the halfway line. And I think they did a pretty good job of it. Now, here's the interesting thing about the goal. It comes on a corner kick and Atalanta make a double substitution on the corner kick. Okay. A lot of people say you should never sub on a corner because, you know, you don't keep your organization and it's an easy way to concede goals. Well, funny enough, I, I always am skeptical about those sort of cliched things where it's like you don't do that ever because you'll always get scored on. It's, it, I just don't believe it. But it, I think this was a clear example of why that holds some weight because they got set up and everyone started looking around and reorganizing in the box short corner comes out and you could see them all go, oh no, we weren't ready for that. And they started chasing, but they were just a second behind. So the ball went out uh, to the top of the corner of the box and then it finds Fairland Mendy. And for a lefty, how about that for a right-footed finish to win the game? Look, it sets up a great second leg. Uh, the golazo from Mendy was at least a game saver in terms of watching it because other than that, it, the game was ruined by the red card. And Atalanta are going to come into the second leg pissed. I mean, they're going to be on fire, uh, really ready to go, and feel like they have a point to prove. They're going to feel like the first leg was taken away from them. Can they reverse the tie in the next leg? I don't know because it, it, the question is, who comes back for Real Madrid by March 15th or whatever it is? It, it, if Sergio Ramos and Karim Benzema are back, and Rafa Varane as well, 
this is a very different affair. So we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm just hoping for a, a bonanza second leg at least. Final match was Borussia Mönchengladbach against Man City, and this was the Joao Cancelo show. My goodness, the two crosses he had for for the goals were so, so vicious. They just dipped and curled in per- the perfect way. And Cancelo's playing in the midfield. I mean, goodness, it's incredible. So, I mean, the goals themselves were were good. They were not outrageous, spectacular, fantastic. They were good. This game was pretty cut and dry in a lot of ways for Man City. They were really easily dominant. But for some reason, there's a couple other funny things about Pep that uh, turned out to be the big story here. Number one, I wasn't watching this game live. I, I watched um, sections of it after. I was watching the Atalanta-Real Madrid game. And on the TUDNA um, broadcast in Spanish, they were talking about El Abrigo de Guardiola. And I was like, what's with Pep's coat? Like, why is everyone talking about this? So I look it up, and I thought it was dope. Guy's got this long black trench, and on the back, it's got the Man City badge, but in, like, a really nice matte, you know, uh, print on his back in black. It was I thought it was really, really cool. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking at people like, oh, I'm not so sure about that choice of coat. It's like, it's a black one, first of all. It's not like, you know, red and green checkers, okay? Uh, it's a nice coat. And look, it looks sick. I, I don't really know what everyone's problem was. So that was kind of funny. But then after the game, when they asked him about <laughs> their chances to win the Champions League, first of all, he said, well, look, we need to score more goals because I watched Bayern last night. Hard to say that they aren't favorites for the title. But... Loved that he just went ahead and and admitted, just wide openly said, look, we have a lot of money and we buy really good players. And I, I think it's nice for Pep to go ahead and say that because it's one of the things that's leveled at Man City as the asterisks for why they are successful. That Pep's style of coaching is not actually what's brought you know success to this team. It's more that he has just been able to buy whoever and finally the right pieces have come into play. The reality is No. There's so few coaches in the world that can get any team to play this way. And I've honestly, I've never seen a team that can rock up on the field without a center forward and completely rip you apart because you have no idea who's going to make the run, who's going to go. And and people are scoring goals from all different places. You never know who the most dangerous city player is. This is down to coaching. And this is down to brilliant, brilliant coaching. So Pep Guardiola, yeah. I love the admission, but let's all not take away the reality that this is an exceptional team, an exceptional manager. All right, that's enough for today. Uh, One thing I did want to recommend to everybody, if you have not seen it, is the Pele documentary. Just dropped on Netflix, and it's awesome. I mean, I'd put it right next to the Maradona documentary. Really cool to learn about how much of an impact Pele had in essentially globalizing Brazil in the 60s. Um, it's, It's an incredible story. There's some good historical references in there, little things that maybe you didn't know, uh, maybe about the dictatorship and the way it came to be, and and also just the power of Pelé and and what he was and what he meant to the world at that time. As someone who was born in 85, I mean, it was long over, right, by the the time I was born. So I think it's cool to be able to see it. Really, really recommend it. And anyone who is able to find a way to watch uh, the documentary, it's a short, it's called The Game. Um, it's a German film, I believe, 
and it, or or maybe Swiss films. It profiles uh, a referee who's doing a young boys game, and it's just a 17-minute short about a referee follows him. He's mic'd up. You can hear what he's saying to the VAR people, and it's just a, a really really cool look into what it's like on game day for a referee. I mean, you end up leaving. Yeah, it ends up leaving you wanting a whole lot more. So hopefully, hopefully in this era of VAR and what refs are dealing with, someone is out there making an incredible documentary about this. And uh, I mean, I'd be really fascinated to see it. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Thursday, if it's still Thursday for you. Happy whatever day it is for you. And uh, enjoy this weekend's matches. There should be some really good ones. And for the Champions League to kick on, I mean, then... then the, the predictions are getting really interesting. So we'll have to check in in a couple weeks here and see how well I did and how well you all did. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. This is Campfire Football. Bye.